Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. From a heart surgery when he was a year and a half to multiple surgeries to his legs and ears to surviving a tornado that collapsed the entire barn onto himself and his family when he was five years old. Clint Wall kept getting up from one setback after another. With each challenge to his very existence, Clint woke up to the picture of a larger reality and a divine plan for his life. Today our special guest is Clint Wall, who has agreed to share with us his exhilarating story. Clint, thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. Thank you, it's my pleasure. Clint, tell us a bit about yourself to begin with, where you were born, uh, your family, where you were raised, and what you do. Yeah, I was born on a hog farm just outside Saskatoon, 30 minutes. Born and raised on a farm, doing a little bit of everything. I have three siblings. I have an older sister who is 10 years older than me, an older brother who's five years older than me, and a younger brother who's four years. And I grew up in a Christian home with great parents and farm community all around doing a little bit of everything. And currently I'm in construction. So you're a builder now. And I find that very interesting because you told me a little bit about your story. and. Uh, how did you get into the building industry? I actually got into the building industry on a bet with my mother-in-law, more like a dare actually. We were having a conversation and she said to me, I don't think you can get a job with just one phone call. And I said, I, watch me, I'll do it. And I called my current youth pastor at the time who was a framer and I asked him for a job and he said, Monday morning, bring your hammer, bring your tools and we'll have you on site. So that's how I got my start. And the funny part is, is going through high school, I didn't even take IA shop. So it became a little bit more of an interesting part of my life, but I got hooked on construction very early on and it just became a part of my life. Clint, you had some challenges to your health and well-being when you were growing up. Can you tell us about those? Uh, very early on, I was about a year old and I had a heart problem where I actually had an artery that was closed. So they had to do a, a, a procedure where I had a balloon go up into my artery and they opened it and put a stint in. And then a couple years later, I was about you know five, six years old and I started having hearing issues and I wasn't able to hear properly. So I went in and that's when I started getting my surgeries for my tubes in my ears. Then at a, actually two weeks before I turned six, we had an event that happened in our life that changed my family for forever. Uh, we were working out in the barn one day, my older brother, my mom and my, my dad and myself, and we were working outside and the storm started coming through and there was a lot of wind and we ended up getting inside the barn and we actually had a situation where we went through an F3 tornado and the entire barn was, the roof was lifted off, the walls collapsed it on us and we ended up, by the grace of God, he got us out of there and, and he made a lot of amazing things happen that day, there's a lot of miracles and we ended up getting into our old water truck and my dad got everybody together and got us out of, out of, the, out of this dangerous situation and we ended up, the whole barn was completely gone and tore off the roof uh, section of our house, flooded pretty well everything around us. It destroyed our neighbor's yard as well. But by the grace of God, we made it out safely. Then that was about the age of six. And then when I was about 14 years old, I started going through some, some pain. Uh, we all know what growing pain feels like, but I started experiencing a lot of pain in my knees. And I, you get a lot of advice from people saying, you'll grow out of it, you'll be okay. Uh, I ended up at the age of 15 going to the doctor and the doctor essentially looked at my knees and said, well, you're, you're extremely bow-legged. I was so bow-legged I could put a, a, almost a full-size soccer ball between my knees with my feet together. 
So to me, it was normal. To me, that's, that's how life was, but apparently that's not exactly how your knees are supposed to be shaped. So we ended up going through uh, having conversations in regards to procedures of how to fix it. And what the doctor ended up telling me was, if we didn't start these procedures to fix it, by the time I hit the age 20, 25, I would need my knees and likely my hips, everything completely replaced. So it was a long journey, but that was kind of the start where we went in, uh, I got staples put on the outsides of my knees to stop the growth plates so they could, they could continue on the inside and I would naturally grow in. And I found out two weeks, about two weeks after the surgery that my growth platelets had actually stopped on the inside of my knees. So I ended up in a situation with the doctor where we had to get into a little bit more invasive surgery. So what they ended up doing was they had to break my tibia and they had to break my fibia on my leg, essentially disconnect my foot from the rest of my body. And then my hip would bring everything in and it would take about six months before I'd be back up on my feet. So it was a very long process. Again, I was 15, 16. I was very active at the time. I wanted to be involved and do a lot of things. Uh, but my life got massively interrupted because of this. So it took about a year and a half. Uh, I went through a lot of dark places in my life at that point, but God helped get me through it and he, he helped guide me that direction. And uh, as of now, I have had a number of scopes done on my knees as well. I have cartilage that continues to break down and break off. Uh, very early on when I was 15, again, I was told I also had arthritis in my joints and pretty well every one of my joints. That's a fun thing to be told when you're 15. Um, and then I've had a number of different surgeries in my body. I've had a cyst that was removed out of my face. I've had a couple of hernia surgeries and a number of ear surgeries as well. So, so Clint, how did these very challenging experiences impact you? They definitely turned my entire personality upside down. They made me do a lot of reevaluating. There was a very, I wouldn't say brief stint, it definitely took a lot to get through it, but there was a while going through my surgeries where I remember laying on the couch, being a, such a physically active guy, wanting to do so many things. And I remember laying on the couch and getting so depressed. I got into a very, very dark place. I, I got very mad at myself. I got very mad at God as well, because you, know, you ask the question, why? Why am I made like this? Why am I built this way? And I remember getting to a very difficult, low, very dark place where God, I didn't feel like he was there. I didn't feel like I could hear his voice. And I remember getting so frustrated and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to just be done. If this is, if I'm 15, if I'm 16 at this moment, I'm not even a quarter way through my life and already I'm going through this much pain and this much struggling. Why is there a point to keep going? And I developed a plan. Looking back, it wasn't a very good plan, I'll be honest, but I developed a plan that I was, it, when it got to around my minus 30, minus 40, I was so mad that I was just going to go outside, I was going to walk as far as I could, I was just going to throw my crutches, I was going to just lay in the snow and I was just going to give up, I was just going to forfeit. And what's interesting is looking back is God blessed me with two very interesting abilities and one is the ability to forget and the other one is the ability to sleep. I can sleep very quickly. And I remember being so mad that night, I was so angry with God but I fell asleep. And I woke up the next morning and I was, again, I was so angry with God because I fell asleep. I was mad at myself and my family and I ended up going to a family breakfast. And sitting around the table at our family breakfast, the uncle who I, I, I didn't really talk to very much, we didn't chat a lot, but he was very into music. And he said, well, he looked at me, he said, if you have all this time on your hands sitting there, why don't you 
keep playing the guitar. And I had started, I started about age 11 playing and I had let it go for a number of years. And so it, it, it struck me that that was the opportunity, that was the moment where I could say, you know what, it's the, it, I have time, I might as well practice it. So I started picking up the guitar and the guitar, God used the guitar as something to bring joy into my life, something to take that pain, that darkness and give me an opportunity to play something. And it, it, would, it became an integral part of my life. I love music and music is something that uh, I am always, it's always around me. I, I like to have it playing, I like to be playing it, I like to be singing every chance I get. So God has definitely taken that and he's molded that into my life. Clint, at a, at a young age, you went on a, a spiritual journey. Uh, tell us what that looked like. So when going through all my struggles, I began to realize that I love to work with people and youth especially. That was something that I found. I connected with youth really well. And the other relationship that I had that I loved was music, and I loved to play music. So early on as a, as a young boy, I remember going to my church, and I went to the leaders in my church, and I said, I want to be involved in youth ministry. And they said, I basically got the response of, you're not old enough, so we're not going to let you. And it was disheartening for me because I really had a passion for it, but I thought, okay, if I'm not old enough, I'll wait. And so I thought, I'm going to do music. I'm going to do worship ministry. And so I, I remember going to a couple of practices, and I had my guitar out, and I was excited to play. And then a number of people approached me, and they said, you can practice with your guitar, but we, we don't want you to play with your guitar. And it was crushing. It was something that, as a young kid, I had two passions, and both of them were, were extinguished at that point. So it broke me a little bit, and I ended up getting to a point where I, I knew that God was calling me to these two things. So I said, I'm going to go start looking around, and I'm going to find where God has called me to be. And so for a number of years, I hopped churches, and I, I crested the doors and, and came into different places where I had friends, I had people that I knew. And no matter where I went, I never really felt like I fully connected. There were pieces that, that fit, but I didn't have all of them. And one day, uh, a beautiful woman, who is now my wife, she invited me to come to church with her. And I remember thinking to myself, well, church on Saturday is, is peculiar. That's weird. I don't think that's really for me, but I'll give it a try. And I walked in the doors of the church, and within the first few minutes, the greeter approached me. And I, I didn't know him. I had never met him, never talked to him before, and found out that a few minutes later, he actually knew a lot of my family, and he had actually been around some of my family before. And so there was a connection there. And, and I remember he making eye contact with me and he looked at me and he said, what do you want to do? What is your passion? And I said, I, I'm like, I have passion in youth ministry. I want to serve. And I said, I have passion in worship ministry. And before I even got into the sanctuary, he said, we have a great opportunity. You can come play music here. You can come worship with us. And we don't have a, someone to you, lead youth right now. We would love to have you here. And it was that moment of, of understanding, right? When you get into that situation and you're like, this is a place that God has put me in. This is a place God's called me to be. And so having that opportunity to walk in the door, and then we have another, uh, one of our elders now, she, she approached me and she basically became my church mom, where she, if there was anything I needed, she's like, you can come to me, we can talk about it. And so not only did I feel included, but I felt welcomed and I felt loved at the same time. So it was a long journey, it was a hard journey, and there was a lot of questions, there was a lot of times where there was a lot of doubt in my life, there was a lot of pain, a lot of struggle that way. But in the end, I, I found the place where God had put me, and, and it has become my home, and it's become my home church. And because you're such an energetic and enthusiastic guy, Clint, you have taken on some leadership positions in the church. Tell us about that. 
Uh, I am currently, well, as I mentioned, I, do, I run youth ministry in the church. I'm involved in the worship ministry that way. I took on a position as being an elder. Uh, a couple years ago, I took on personal ministries. So that means I get to be in charge of, of making sure we're coordinating a lot of the ministries that are coming on, women's ministry, men's ministry, family ministry, our health ministries as well. And speaking of health ministries, then uh, I was able to assist with the depression anxiety program as well, becoming a facilitator for that. So there's definitely been a lot of things that I've had an opportunity to do. And like you said, with, with the energy that God gives me, I just, I'm able to keep going. So, Clint, you and your wife, Teresa, don't have any children of your own, but you're very actively involved in the local community with young people and young adults. Can you tell us about that? Like I said, when I came to church, there was a handful of youth that were here. And it was always a passion of mine to try and get as many kids in the church, as much youth as we can, because the youth is definitely the future of the church. They're what push us forward. So we've, we've definitely put a lot of, of effort into trying to grow that. And this year has been incredible. We have, we have an amazing group. We, we went from having about five to seven every year for the last couple of years. And this year we typically have between 16 to 24. And our youth has just expounded and it's grown exponentially. And so it's a huge blessing from God. And apart from that as well, I've been uh, given an opportunity to work with a local ministry. And so what we do is we run uh, what's called the Youth for Christ Hockey League. And it's a little floor hockey league that we run. You'd think that it would be a small little league. We, this year we had 110 kids for our first year and we're consistently around 60, 70 kids. So the joke that my wife and I have is uh, we don't have kids of our own, but we, I, we really have like 100 kids. So, and with working with youth ministry in regards to downtown and, and, and with the inner city kids, it's, it's everything from kids that come from a good situation to kids that come from a very difficult situation. Kids that don't have a family, they don't have a home. Uh, there's a lot of kids that get bounced around from home to home, sleeping on couches and, and things like that. They've never actually experienced the love of Christ. And so it's been an amazing opportunity to get involved doing this ministry and being able to be his hands and his feet and watching these young, young men and women grow and, and seeing how they just become more and more accomplished in their life. And then especially with the, the church ministry, watching them take on roles and relieving that, that stress that comes from leadership as well of, of maybe overburdening on the roles as well. Clint, you mentioned that you work with the Depression Recovery Program. Why is it that you got involved in helping people overcome depression and anxiety? So, as I mentioned, when I was 15, I went through a very difficult point in my life. And it, and it seems, my personality today seems like I'm very upbeat and I'm very excited, but depression has been something I've struggled with for a number of years. Having gone through what I went through and having, you know, felt that influence from God and, and that, that direction and being at that lowest point when you get to a state where you don't know if there's, if there's a tomorrow, you don't, maybe you don't even want to know, you don't even want to be a part of tomorrow. So being able to be a part of the depression recovery program and help with that, it's been, it's been a, huge, a huge opportunity. And I love it because we get a small group together, you get a great chance to get to know people and you actually get to connect with people and, and connect with where they're coming from. And seeing how people are struggling, seeing people where, where they are and, and connecting with them where they are, that's, it's amazing. And so it's been an absolute opportunity to do it and I love it. And we're, we're growing and we're really hoping that we can continue to develop the program so that way we can reach more of the community in that way. I have one more question for you with regards to your work with the inner city children and the youth. Why did you choose hockey as a medium of reaching these young people? So 
growing up, stereotypical Canadian, hockey was a big part of our life. Um, especially having not been Seventh-day Adventist, Saturday night, that was what we did. My dad played a lot of hockey on Sunday nights in the local town, so we would go and we'd watch him. And I remember, despite the pain that I was going through with my knees, my goal was always to get as healthy as I can, as quickly as I can, because I wanted to get back on the ice. I wanted to play. I was, I was an active kid. I loved it. And I remember I was going through my junior hockey in the little town of Hague, just outside Saskatoon, and I remember we got into playoffs. And I was such, I'm a competitive person as well. And we got into playoffs and I was so excited to go. And I remember sitting down one night and I had a prayer because I was, I was the goalie that was starting and it, the pressure was on me. And I remember sitting down and I prayed and I was like, Lord, if you want me to be involved in hockey in my life going forward, then you'll help us win this game. The, same, the, the classic prayer that most kids do, right? Lord, help us win this game. We want to win. And I remember praying that prayer. And, and that next game, we had a really good game. It was a home game. We won. And I remember going home thinking, this was great. Like, God is on our side. He's helping us win. And, and then I went a step farther. And I said, God, if you want, if you want me to go far in my, in my career, if you want me to you know, go really far, the WHL, the NHL, something big like that, you'll help us get to the next one. And we lost. And it was very deflating as a young boy because I thought I, thought I was on the right path. I was, thought I was asking the right questions. And it took a number of years. It actually took a long time. It was probably about six, seven years ago that I was, I was working with Youth for Christ in Saskatoon. And I remember coming, I was late getting one of the games. I was stopped behind a train. And you know when you're, when you're late and, and you feel all that pressure and everything is, 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 is bundling up inside. And I remember sitting at the train being helpless and I felt God's peace come in my life. And I felt God say, hey, I've got you where I need you to be. You're working with at-risk youth. You're working with kids that need to hear me. And they want, they, they've gone through pain. They've gone through depression. Some of them have gone through, through bodily issues as well where they've had a number of surgeries. And I just felt this peace from God saying, I've got you where I want you to be. And that kind of brought me to peace with working in the league and it fired up a little bit more of that passion. If you could say I didn't have enough already, it definitely fired up some more. And I started getting really excited. And then any chance I get, I try to talk to as many kids as we can. We try, if we're not coaching on the floor, if we're not playing, the goal is to try and build relationships and to mentor with a lot of the youth that are there. And there have been a, a few situations where God has taken me out of my comfort zone, very far out of my comfort zone, and he's broke my heart. Where I start talking to some of these kids and you hear the stories of where they come from, you hear the struggle of what they have and, 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 or what they don't have, and, and you start feeling that pain that they go through. Uh, being an empathic person, it helps being able to feel that. And what I found is that God has given me so many opportunities to just be able to speak his peace into their life and to be able to try and show them a little bit of his strength saying God can make miracles happen at any time. You just have to trust and you have to believe. And so that is why hockey is such a big part of me is, is I get a chance to um, work with these kids. I get a chance to push them to their limits, get them away from the devices and their cell phones, get them to work with each other and just be able to build those relationships. And, and every once in a while, it's, it's, it's humbling for me too when, when you watch these young kids that you've seen since they were seven, eight, 10 years old and now they're in their late teens and they're definitely surpassed what my skill level is. It's definitely humbling for me as well that way too. So, Clint, you see your life as a beautiful struggle. So two final questions. Why do you see your life like that? 
And secondly, is there a Bible passage that has helped you with this beautiful struggle? I'll start by saying there's got to be a shout out to my youth group that way. Uh, we started painting some ceiling tiles downstairs and one of the girls did a beautiful, beautiful tile and she wrote on there the beautiful struggle. And it really hit me. It really impacted me when I read that because it became very relatable in my life that what I had gone through was something I maybe had to go through. If I wouldn't have gone through it, I look back and I always think to myself, who would I have been? What if, right? We think what if a lot. And I think, what if I wasn't? in chronic pain? What if I didn't have arthritis? What if I didn't have the situation with my knees? What if I didn't have the pain that I go through? What if I hadn't gone through a tornado when I was six? Things like that. And what really makes it stand out to me is that I, I firmly believe that if I didn't have these things, if I didn't have these, I'm going to call them deficiencies or thorns that are in my literal flesh, I, I would be a completely different person. I would be Honestly, I would be a very arrogant person. I would be a very prideful person. I can guarantee you I would not be sitting in this chair and I guarantee you that my, my religion, my, my relationship, my faith with God, it would not be there. Because in my life, I wanted me, I wanted I, and I wanted to get better and better. And so I look back with the, the phrase beautiful struggle and I think God, God has walked me through this journey and it has been a beautiful journey and it's gonna be a beautiful journey. There's going to be a lot more pain coming down the road. There's going to be a lot more struggle as well. I'm not, I'm not through the weeds just yet. But at the same time, I look back and I say, I, I have to rely on his joy. And that's what makes it beautiful. And the struggle that I go through, which, as we mentioned as well, also makes it relatable with, with the inner city kids. It makes it relatable with depression, anxiety. It, it gives me an opportunity to become not just someone that you meet, but actually a person that has walked in that journey before, even though I am young you know and so that's why I see my life as a beautiful struggle and the verse that I would share would be 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 uh, sorry chapter 12 rather so 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verses 5 to 10 and this is from Paul and it says that experience is worth boasting about but I'm not going to do it I will boast only in my weaknesses if I wanted to boast I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what I can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so, uh, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that has been very relatable in my life. Physical thorns, emotional thorns, spiritual thorns. And it has been something that has impacted me and given me encouragement when I'm going through those struggles. And like I said, I'm, I'm not out of the weeds just yet. There's going to be a lot more that's going to come around and I'm going to have to deal with a lot more. But the struggle is when you get a chance, and this is what I'm excited for. I'm excited to sit before the throne of God. I'm excited in the end when he gathers everybody together and he shows us the big picture. And he, and he opens our eyes and we can understand it. 
My prayer is that when that happens, I want to see, I want him to be able to say, hey, you remember that struggle that you went through? Remember that time that you were just completely broken and you were depressed and you thought your life was just completely over and you wanted to quit and yet you persevered and you pushed through? Because of that, this whole branch exists. There, there was one person that you don't even know, you never met them, but there was one person that was impacted. And that's my prayer is that God will use this weakness that I have, this thorn that's in my flesh, and use it to be able to create a couple more houses in heaven. I know I won't be able to build them, but I know it'll be something that when we all get together, it's just going to be a beautiful picture. Thank you, Clint. It's so inspirational what you shared, but we've come to the end of our time. And I wonder if as we close, you could pray for our viewers. Maybe there's someone who's struggling with something right now that they can see it as you're seeing it, as God wants them to see it as a beautiful struggle so that they can look back and they can say, I would have it no other way because this is the way that uh, God is, is using me to reach others and to grow me for his kingdom. Absolutely, I would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. Father, I want to thank you so much for the people that are listening to It Is Written today. And Lord, I pray for someone that is out there. God, maybe there's a lot of people. Maybe it's just one. Maybe this, this entire video is just for one specific person that's in this world. But God, my prayer is that you will hold your, hair, your ear a little closer to them. You'll hold them a little closer to your heart. God, I know the, the pain and the struggle that they're going through. Father, I just pray for, for a little bit of easing for that pain. Father, if it is distracting them, if it is, if it is clouding their judgment, I ask, Lord, that you will come upon them. Father, that your Holy Spirit will, will move into their life, that you will open up their eyes, Lord, that they will see the bigger picture. Father, that you will light the lamp a little bit farther in front of their feet, that they will see why they have to go through what they're going through, why they have to struggle in that weakness. And Lord, my prayer is that they will continue to push on. Father, they will not give up. They will not want to take themselves out of the equation. Because maybe for them, maybe for the whole life that they live, Lord, you can bring one more person to your heaven. God, you can bring one more person to eternity. And my prayer, Father, is that you will grant them an audience that's a little bit closer to you. You'll hold them close. You'll comfort them. You'll guide them. And Father, my prayer is that you will bless them. Open their eyes and help them to see your plan. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Clint, thank you so much for joining us on It Is Written Canada today. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Friends, as part of Clint's ongoing journey was the keeping of the weekly Sabbath, which may have opened up some questions in your mind about what the Bible teaches about the Sabbath. Our free offer for you is What the Bible Says About the Sabbath. This free full-color booklet has been prepared to help you clearly understand and appreciate what the Bible says about the Sabbath. This little book will provide practical answers that will help you to see how God is prepared to bless your life with this special gift of sacred time. You too can experience the fullness of life that is found in the words of Jesus when he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca. 
or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the Videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.